0: Tom is going to pray for the offering this morning.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Cody, Dave, I'm glad you're here. In the name of your Father, in the Son, in your Holy Spirit. And the uh, great music with blue. In the name of your Father, in the kingdom of God. Jesus, for just two people, like my brothers, in the name of Jesus, in the kingdom of God. In the name of your Father in your son and your holy spirit amen
0: amen thank you tom once like a
1: bird in prison i dwelt, no freedom from my sorrow i felt but jesus came and By to sin and things that confound not all the world shall turn me.
0: Amen. I think freedom is kind of the theme of the day, isn't it?
1: We weren't sure where we were going to end that.
0: (laughs) Well, you didn't have to end. You could have kept on going. We would have been okay with that. Another verse or two would have been fine with us. Amen. Wow. What a good day today. You know, and last Sunday was an awesome Sunday as well. I think we closed out 2017 and we're opening up 2018 in grand fashion. It's as good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that we're able to enjoy each other's fellowship and enjoy the spirit that you bring. Because, you know, when you come into a service like this, you bring a spirit. You bring a spirit. Now, it can either be a good spirit or a bad spirit. But thank the Lord that you're bringing a good spirit with you this morning. And it is fun and it is good. And I'm thankful that you're here today. We're going to continue on our theme of prayer as we've been talking over the past few weeks, albeit last Sunday, we took a little uh, a little break, and we talked about what it means to um, forget the past and look ahead into the future. and And I got to tell you, it was a um, it was a good a good message. It was a good thought. It was a good um, it was good for us to recognize that we are to let go of some stuff. Not that we don't remember, not that we don't learn the lessons of the past, but we, that we don't live in it, that we don't let it that it consume us for the good or for the bad. You know, we don't want to live in the glory days and we don't want to live in the sad days. We want to accept what the past was, learn from it, and then learn to move on from that. And, and it was a good message last week, and I would encourage you, if you weren't here, Um, Go back to the website and listen to it. It was a good message. We had great worship last Sunday. It was just really, really good. I'm so thankful. The Lord is really being faithful to our body, and it's exciting. Today, I want to talk more about the Lord's Prayer, and I want to continue to talk about what it means to not just pray this, but to live it. We are to learn to live the Lord's Prayer it is alive and it is vibrant and it is powerful because Jesus thought it was so important that he, this is the way he taught his disciples to pray. So we're going to learn more about that today. But I will, I will be very honest with you that this week as I've been praying about this, I've been challenged more and more in my thinking about what does it really look like and what does it really mean to live this prayer. And I will tell you honestly that I'm intimidated by it. Can I be honest with you and can I tell you that this scares me? Because when we think that we are truly going to pray the way Jesus prayed, something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. It is going to change something in my life. It is going to change something in the way I look at life. Something different is going to happen. And I will tell you, it intimidates me. And I'm sorry if you don't like your pastor to be intimidated because you like your pastor to be, have it all together. Well, I've got to tell you, you've got the wrong guy if that's what you're looking for because I'm intimidated by the power of God because it is something that just takes me by storm and when it hits me, I don't know what to do with it sometimes. And so it is easy. I will say it is easy to play church. It is easy to come up with a, I mean, I can go to sermon.net and I can, I can plagiarize some other man's sermon and I can come up with a, a good sermon every week and Jackie does great worship every week and we can come in and play church and, and just do, and get in the cycle of church playing and we can do that and think we're happy. But that's not what the Lord is putting on my heart and so I'm challenged this morning and I know that it might get a little bit messy if that's what happens. It might get a little bit messy if, if we get into the blood of Jesus. If we really truly understand what Jesus is saying to us, it might shake us up a little bit. Because I know that we're comfortable. And I know that we like to be comfortable. What are we comfortable with? What are we comfortable with? Well, we can be comfortable with having enough Bible knowledge to believe in salvation. But yet not enough to understand that we must continue to grow in our salvation day to day to maintain our salvation. We may be comfortable with day one salvation and then think we not have to move on from that. That's a dangerous place to be comfortable with. We can be comfortable even being faithful in our church attendance. We can be comfortable in our giving. We can be comfortable in our coming in and acting like good church people. We can be comfortable with that. And we can be comfortable actually singing songs and worshiping. We can be comfortable with that, but, but there's so much more to that. There's so much more to what it means to really be a follower of Christ. So I'm challenged this morning, and I'm excited to challenge you as well. The question is, do you want to be challenged? Do you want to be challenged with God's Word? Do you want to be challenged with what the Lord's looking for for us to attain in 2018? I hope so, because there is much to learn as we learn how to pray the Lord's Prayer and how to live it. So this morning, would you stand up with me again? And can we pray the Lord's Prayer one more time as we begin this message? Our Father, which art in heaven, repeat it with me. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you one more time for this day today. We thank you, Lord, for what it means to truly learn how to live the prayer that you've asked us to pray. Teach us, I pray. Help us to become aware of it. Help us to be challenged by it. And help us to learn what it means. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I want to focus this morning on verse 10 of that, which would be the second stanza. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. But I want to ask you this morning, what does it really mean for us to truly seek God's kingdom? What does it mean to seek it, to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever really thought about it? What are we asking for? What are we asking for? Well, the true nature, or one way to look at the true nature of God's kingdom is that it is such that it would reveal the power of God over the power of Satan and his evil influence in this world. Let me say that again. The nature of God's kingdom is such that it would reveal the power of God over the power of Satan and his evil influence into this world that we're living in. So if we're really seeing God's kingdom come, then there will be signs that follow God's kingdom coming. There will be signs. There will be a a telltale sign that something is changed when we're truly seeking God's kingdom to come into this broken world because we live in a broken world. And that's why I'm somewhat intimidated by this prayer. But if I'm really going to seek God's kingdom to come, then there's going to be something happening in my life that's going to change because naturally my kingdom isn't God's kingdom. Naturally the kingdom of Mike is not God's kingdom. So if I'm asking God's kingdom to come into my life, something's going to change. Something's going to give. If God is going to reveal his power over Satan's power in our lives, then we should be seeing physical and spiritual manifestations of such. We should be seeing personal evangelism starting to increase. People that are boldly willing to proclaim what God means to us in the streets of this town and in our workplace. We should be seeing healings as we pray for people. We should be seeing people delivered from demonic oppressions. We should be people delivered from their past, delivered from that ball of chain that's wrapped around their ankle. We should, see, we should be seeing demons fleeing off people as we're praying for them. We should be seeing the gifts of the Spirit being displayed and people being free to move in the Spirit without fear of what people think. And there's so much more. When we start inviting the kingdom of God to come into our kingdom, we're inviting the all-powerful God of the Creator, the Creator God, to come in and change us. It's powerful stuff. The reason we need to pray for God's kingdom to come is because Satan is the ruler of the world today. And God's kingdom is not yet unveiled or as it's going to be at some point in time in the future. Today, right now, it is still Satan's world. And for the time being, God is allowing Satan to rule this world. For the time being, God has given Satan the power to influence people. Given people, or given Satan the, empower, the power to influence what happens in this world. But there's coming a day There is coming a day when Jesus will come back to finally destroy that. But it's not yet. So until that time comes, we're living in a world dominated by Satan and his evil influence and all the associated consequences of that. So if we know that there's a coming a day when Jesus is going to come and right the wrongs, why is it so important for us to pray this way when we know Jesus is going to do it anyway? Why do we want to pray God's kingdom come when we know ultimately He will come? What's the point? Because I'll tell you real simply, we live in an age of choice today. We live in an age of choice, and it's only by our choosing to receive the gift of salvation through the blood of Christ can we be saved by the power of the blood of God by the power of Jesus. That's the only way. If we're going to be included, if we're going to be included in that righteous group that are there when Jesus comes back to declare his righteousness, if we're going to be included then, we need to be choosing today. We need to be praying today. See, God honors our choices over his desires in our own personal lives. That's the power of choice. God honors our choice. I can choose to invite him in or I can choose to reject him and god honors that today so if i'm waiting until jesus is forcefully bringing god's kingdom back to this earth if i'm waiting and if i'm not on a team of praying it in right now it'll be too late so that's why i need to get on the team of praying in god's kingdom today while i have the choice it's my it's my choice and i need to take that responsibility very seriously Romans chapter 14, verses 11 through 12. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. There's coming a time when Satan will no longer have dominion over this world. Every man today that thumbs their nose at God and says, I'm not going to bow down, there's coming a day when they will bow down. There's coming a day. My choice Today is to do that while I have the choice. That's my choice. And I'm sure it's yours too for the most part. According to John the Revelator, a vision he had as recorded in the book of Revelations, if we're not choosing to pray and accept God's kingdom today, while it's our choice, there's consequences that are coming to that. And I just want to lay the consequences out so we know where we're going. Revelations chapter 20. Verses 11 through 15. This is the vision that John saw of what's going to happen at the end of time. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And this is the key verse. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Not a good place to be. The point here is that we need to make good use of our time and our choices while we can because not only our life depends on it, but all those that God is giving us the opportunity to have influence over. We will, be give, we will give an account of our choices. So it's only wise of us to be praying in the kingdom of God before it comes, before it comes. While Jesus walked this earth, he often spoke about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 14. After John, John the Baptist, after John the Baptist was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is preaching the gospel. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. There's an innocence required, an accepting of the kingdom of God like a little child. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these other things will be given as well. Every time the kingdom of God is spoken about, the kingdom of Satan is challenged and a point of decision comes. Every time the kingdom of God is spoken about, Satan gets a little bit nervous. He's greatly troubled and he hates it when the truth of his kingdom is revealed as a kingdom of lies, deception, and death. So when God's kingdom is spoken of, there's always a point of decision. Am I going to accept it or am I going to reject it? God has allowed this to go on for thousands of years, giving mankind all kinds of opportunity to choose God's kingdom over the enemy's kingdom. And here's the beautiful thing about God. He's very patient. Thank the Lord he's patient. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. That's his desire. Every man, every woman, every child, every person would be in the kingdom of God. The knowledge of God's kingdom brings a choice to us. Are we going to accept it or are we going to reject it? Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 From that time on Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of God has come near See he is he is calling people out Mark chapter 1 verse 12 through 15 after John was put in prison I already read that that Jesus is calling the kingdom of God to come near repent he's calling he's calling people to make a decision he's calling us to make a choice and we are living in the age of the choice right now. We are, we are living in it. Are we going to accept the choice? Are we going to accept it and pray the kingdom of God? Or are we going to reject it? Now, it's pretty obvious that mankind doesn't do a very good job saving themselves. We haven't done a good job. In fact, over the 6,000-year the track record here of, of man's, uh, human's existence, we've had a lot of casualties and lots of, lots of wars. In fact, within the last 100 years, If we go back and look at World War I and World War II, there were approximately 26 million casualties in World War I and 53 million casualties in World War II. Not not a very good track record that man has for ruling ourselves. So it's only appropriate then that we seek God's kingdom. If we're going to get out of the mess that we're in, it's only appropriate that we seek God's kingdom And it's not getting any better yet. I mean, just look at our, look at our country. Look where we're at. Look at what's happening. We're, we forced God out of the schools years ago. We're forcing him out of public buildings. We're forcing him out of our government. We're basically thumbing our nose at God and saying, God, we don't need you. We're good. We've got this thing handled on our own. But we're not doing a very good job of it, are we? We're not doing a very good job of it. Now, that's that's on the macro level. That's on the big level. And maybe you feel, well, I don't have much to do on that level. And maybe we don't on the big level. But there's a personal level that we have a lot to do about. And that's what I want to focus on now. What is, for each person individually, what are we doing with this invitation? Are we inviting God to be the ruler of our lives? What about our kingdom? What about the kingdom of Mike or the kingdom of of, of your name, put your name in, the, in, in, in this space. Are we inviting Jesus to be the ruler there and not being worried about being politically correct? So for me to really pray God's kingdom would come into my kingdom is a prayer of submission. It's a prayer of submitting myself, that I would submit the ruling of my life over to God and willingly allow God to take it over without him forcefully taking it over because god will not force himself in any man's life god is very patient he's a, he's a gentleman and he will not force himself on anyone in fact we see that in revelation chapter 3 verse 20 jesus says here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with that person and they with me but he's standing on the outside waiting to be opened waiting for the door to be opened I don't see him barging the door down. As much as he'd like to, he's very patient, and he is a gentleman, and the Holy Spirit will not force himself on any person. That's why praying this prayer is so important that we willingly invite God's kingdom into our life. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Let's go on to the second part. The second part of giving God's kingdom control of my life is now that we are submitting our will to his will with intentional and deliberate actions, even to the point that we deny our own personal satisfaction for the moment. It it might take a sacrifice here to do this. Thy kingdom come, it says, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Inviting God's kingdom to come is just the beginning of living a life of continual submission to the new king in our kingdom. The new king. Christ is the new king. Now I have to submit to him. Now I have to submit to him. This is interesting because there are some translations that say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then there is the King James Version that says, thy will be done in earth. As it is in heaven. Now, what's the difference between on earth and in earth? Interesting. I, I really, this really challenged me, because when I look at it, when I look at it and say, "Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven," I look at that as to be a very broad perspective, where it includes all people, all things, all governments, all countries. It's a very big thing. It's a very large perspective, and it isn't very personal. Because I say, God, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Versus when I say, thy will be done in earth, it brings it down to me more personal level because really when I take a look at what I'm made up of, I am made up of personally Mike way. I'm made up of earth. And so what I'm really doing is I'm inviting him into my earth. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So the dust of the ground is basically earth. And so what I'm saying, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What I'm really doing, I'm making this a personal prayer because now I'm saying, God, I don't want it just to be done on earth. I want your to w- your will to be done in earth that's me. I want your will to be done in my life. And so I make it very personal. But this is going to require a lot of my own personal submission now. It's going to require a lot more of me when I pray it that way because now I'm going to be saying, God, I want to submit and I'm going to willingly submit to you more than just on earth, but in earth. I'm reminded of the scripture that we ended last week's message with. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. We read this in a Living Bible translation. It says, His compassion never ends. It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. Think about that. It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. We've already shown how bad we are at ruling ourselves. (laughs) We destroy each other in stupid wars. And even I destroy myself with my own habits. The foods that I eat and the things that I drink and all the stuff that I put into my body that aren't good for me, I'm destroying myself. If it wasn't for God's compassion, he's keeping me from destroying myself. Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. My soul claims the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for him, to those who seek for him. Do you see the wording here? The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for him. The ones that seek him. Remember, God is not going to impose himself on you or me. So he's wonderfully good to those that are seeking after him. I have to be the one seeking. And then when I seek him, he is wonderfully good to me. Amen. That's good. It It is good both to hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See, the Lord is on the side of those that choose him back. He's already chosen us. But until I choose him back, I'm not on his side. Until I willingly choose him back, I'm not on his Even though he's chosen me, it's my choice to receive his choosing that I now become on his side. And I'm now inviting his kingdom come. His will be done. I have great assurance of victory ahead when I pray that way. Great assurance that I know that he's going to be with me and he's going to protect me. But why pray? Let me ask the, deeper, let me question, let me ask the question again and go a little bit deeper. Why pray for God's will to be done? Why? Well, since God is all-powerful, he does whatever he pleases anyway. So why pray that way? Psalms chapter 115, verse 3, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. So we see this God that is not relegated by mankind at all. So why do I pray for His will to be done when I know it's going to be done anyways? Well, it's kind of like, why do I pray God's kingdom? Why do I pray God's will? Because Jesus, being the truest role model of all role models, gives a perfect example of what it means to pray thy will be done, when he prayed in the garden before his arrest and before his uh, death. We, we see him praying in the garden on Matthew chapter twenty six forty two, He went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. He's saying, God, if it's possible, please take the cup. If there's any other way, please take it. But if not, thy will be done. And I don't know that we can really imagine the struggle that went on in the heart of Jesus on that night. Remember, he's fully God and he's fully man. And being God, I I think when we think of him being God, I think we can think, well, this was an easy decision to make because that's why he came. He came to die. So what's the point? Of course he's going to accept it. But yet when I'm looking at him as being fully man and recognizing the fact that he's seeing what happens in a Roman crucifixion and he knows what's going to be, what he's going to have to go through for the next 24 to 48 hours. I can see him really struggling with this. Can't you? I mean, what would you struggle with? We, we struggle with a lot less and fail. <laughs> we, we haven't been asked to shed our blood yet and we still fail. So I can, I can only imagine the struggle that Jesus had as he prayed this prayer. But he prayed the prayer of surrender and submission. And what was he really doing when he was doing that? What he was doing is that he was lining up his will with the will of his heavenly Father. And by doing so, he was asking the Holy Spirit to give me strength to get through it. Give me strength, Father. I'll do your will. Give me strength. I need you. And that's the example that he's showing for us today. That when we have decision points and we have to choose am I going to accept God's will or do my will we can go to Jesus his perfect example and say nevertheless thy will be done and so Holy Spirit give me the power give me the uh, give me the ability to get through this time because Jesus had hard to imagine but he had great joy in the process Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 I love this passage of of the scripture he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and does sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. When Jesus was praying that prayer of surrender, thy will be done. What he was doing was he was seeing the joy set before him. The joy was not the nails driven through his wrist or the crown of thorns pressed on his head or the 39 lashes with the with the whip. But the joy was you and I. The joy was us right now. The fact that we would receive him was the joy set before him he endured the cross and he, gave, and he became a great role model for us as to how we pray. Lord, thy will be done. Thy will be done. And then he says, consider, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that I will not grow weary, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't give up. Hang on. Christ has asked us to pray this way in order for us to also align our will with his will so that God's purposes and his plans can be the best in our life. So that he can line us up for the best that he has for us. It's for our benefit and our well-being that we submit or we come under his authority. It's for our benefit that we submit and come under his authority. He's not doing this because it's for our our negative. He's not doing this because it's going to be worse for us. He's asking us to pray this way because as I pray, Lord, thy will be done in my life, I am submitting myself unto him. I love Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your, your righteousness Reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. By us trusting in the Lord, dwelling in his presence and delighting ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. He will give us what we should desire. He will give us the righteousness that we should desire. And then he will help us Because he will stand up for us when the world is against us. The the Living Bible Translation on verse 6, it says that your innocence will be clear to everyone. He will vindicate you with the blazing light of justice, shining down as from the noonday sun. So even though there may be others more successful in the world than you and I today, God's righteousness as I follow him, as I choose his will over my will, He will vindicate me. He will be my righteous vindication. There's nobody else. There's nothing else that could be better than that. So what is the characteristic of a person that is truly praying this prayer as God intends? What does it look like? What's the characteristic of it? True followers of Christ have the privilege and responsibility to constantly follow after the purposes of God, and the standard of life is everything, is in everything they do. So that God's presence and His power is evident to all around us, to those all around us. If I have God's will flowing through me, then people will see it. It will be obvious to them. and I will then be able to be a light in a dark world. And it gives me an opportunity then to, to boldly declare who Jesus is to me. When I will allow his will to be shown in my life, it will make me different and it will make me interesting to the world because there's something different about me. Just like there was something different about Jesus that the disciples said, teach us how to pray because he was teaching them how to put God's will over his will. Then this requires a deep spiritual hunger in us and a thirst for God's presence in our lives. Matthew chapter 5, 5 verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. I mean, when I stand up for God, I'm going to be persecuted? That doesn't sound like a very good deal, does it? But God says, blessed are those because for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. And then James tells us in chapter 4, verse 14, why... You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live this way or we will do that. In other words, who do we think we are to say that we're going to be able to accomplish all the things that I want to accomplish when God is the one that gives me breath? God is the one that takes me and leaves me. This is an intentional seeking after God that even if it is a sacrifice of my personal pleasures in the moment, that when I know that the kingdom of God will be better for me and I will live longer and will be better off for it, he will bring me the satisfaction that will last through all eternity. Amen? Jackie, if you'd come and we'll uh, conclude the message today. The The person that is actively seeking the kingdom of God in this world He's willing to lay down their will to God. And that person is the only one that truly has peace. I I don't know about you, but I think you do. I think you want peace in your life, right? You want peace. Nobody likes to walk around with anxiety in their hearts. We want peace in our life. And so if I want peace in God's word, if I want peace in this world, the only way I'm really going to get it is if I can lay my life down before the Lord and say, God, your will be done. Your will be done. My Bible commentary says this about these kind of people. In making goals and plans for the future, we must always ask God to show us his desires, plans, and purposes and then be willing to act on them. We must not act independently. Rather, we must recognize that true happiness and a fulfilling life comes from a right relationship with God and a commitment to follow his plans for our lives. If we do this, listen, if we do this, if we can put God's plans ahead of my plans, then we will have assurance that our present and our future are in the protective care of our Heavenly Father. If that's what I want, then it's simple. Ask for God's will to be done. Pray that prayer and really mean it. Pray that prayer and really live that way. These are the people that are set free from their past, like we talked last week. These are the people that know how to learn from the past but not get bogged down by it. These are the people that can appreciate God's goodness in the past but not think it's going to have to be that way in the future all the time. I will allow God to remanifest himself in new ways, in bigger ways than what I could ever imagine. And this is a challenge that I have for us today. Are we willing to do that? Can we live that way? Can we live that way? Can we pray this prayer and can we actually live it out? Are we committed in our personal walk with Jesus that we are fully willing and able to commit our hearts and lives to him No matter what it means for us. Am I willing to lay down my life? That's such a hard thing for us to understand because we've never had to even think about it. We've never truly had to think about would would I lay down my life for Christ? So I don't think we can really answer the question. But yet, how many times... Do I choose my own way? Anyways. It's I was I just want to be in so in love with Jesus that I don't care. I, I just want Him to be so much a part of my life that I just will choose Him without compromise. That's what I want. That's what I desire for our church. That's what I desire for my family. That no matter what the cost, we're willing to search and live out the prayer. So we really know what it means thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth in earth in me as it is in heaven. See when we get to heaven we're going to see how God's will really does operate. When we get to heaven we're going to see that there is a good all that God is is good. We're just going to see such an amazing aspect of God that we can't even begin to comprehend right now. So if I want to get that I want to be able to invite him in now into my life and begin to experience it. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Father, help us just to take a minute and reflect tonight, there this morning on what we were speaking about today. God, that we would truly know what it means to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven that I would really be willing to invite you in and then do the things you've asked me to do. So, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just manifest yourself in our hearts and lives today and help us, Jesus. Help us to do this. Help us to be um, willing to do this. Help us to choose you. Help us, Lord. Increase our faith for those that are weak in our faith maybe today. Increase our faith thank you for being so merciful and so faithful to us. Help us to choose you today. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Let's sing the song that Jackie and the team are playing and and let's just invite the presence of the Lord to be in our lives today. And if you need help, if you need prayer, know that there are people here that are willing to pray with you and really mean it. And really we'll do what we can to help you. you stand with me, please? And if you want to come down to the front and sing down at the front, it's nice to do that as well. And Let's just praise the Lord and let's just invite his presence in us, with us today. Sweet. Mmm. Father, we just thank you for your mercies and your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and how you are so faithful to us and how you never, ever fail and how you love us to the very bottom and the top of our hearts and lives today, completely. You overwhelm us with your love. And I pray, Lord, that you will just go with us as we go throughout this week today. And as we go into our lives, Lord, that we would truly learn how to live this prayer and really learn how to pray this prayer and really put it into practice. That we would invite you to be the king, and king, the king of our hearts, the king of our kingdoms. Let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And in the life of this church, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.